Well, hello everyone. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. I'm here with my co-host Maria Wickvilla and Caroline Diarty Edwards. We are here again uh, for Business Casual, our weekly podcast, and we want to take a deep dive into uh, the 2023 annual report on prospective students that is published by the Graduate Management Admission Council. This is probably the largest single database research project on would-be students who want to take advantage of graduate management education in the world. In this particular study, more than 2,000 people responded. And it covers a lot of different things. Uh, Obviously, the motivations of uh, would-be students who want to uh, do a degree program in uh, management and business. Uh, It covers what are the hottest uh, graduate management education degrees. It tracks Gen Z opinions about uh, business education uh, and what they would like to see more of. And it's it's, uh, a pretty thorough report as well, many pages long. There are many uh, different facets of it. I'll just give you a few highlights and then Maria and Caroline and I can discuss them. Uh, one to me, one of the big surprises is that one-year MBA options have, for the first time, to my knowledge, overtaken two-year MBA programs in popularity. Uh, it's only by a small margin. It's something like twenty-two percent of the prospective applicants favor the full-time one-year MBA. Twenty percent favor the two-year. Uh, The next most popular degree, incidentally, is the Master of Finance, preferred by 9% of the respondents. And then it's the Master in Data Analytics, uh, which is really interesting that that would pop up in front of executive MBAs, Masters in Management, uh, and part-time MBA programs and online MBA programs. In any case, you know, it's it's worth noting that when you look at who responded to the survey, only 18% of the respondents are from the United States. In fact, there are more respondents in this survey from Africa, 20%, than the U.S. And I, th- and I think that may have a lot to do with why the one-year MBA option uh, seems to be at least as popular, if not more popular, than the two-year MBA uh, today in this survey. Caroline, did that surprise you? I know you're a big fan of the one-year option, having been a graduate of NCAD, which has a 10-month program, and having admitted many people into that program. Well, of course, it's a killer killer proposition, John. I mean, who wouldn't prefer one-year to a two-year program? So I... I I, I'm sorry to say it's the you know beginning of the end for the two-year program. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm joking, but I, I do think that uh, you know it, it's uh, it's an interesting time to see that maybe this is the moment when when this pivot and one-year programs have been growing steadily. I mean, of course, INSEAD was the first school to develop. INSEAD pioneered the one-year format um, yep. 70 years ago and developed that expressly with the goal of providing the education that you can get at a school um, like Harvard Business School, um, but in a more accelerated and more efficient format. And, you know, what an incredible vision that was. And, and um, you know, it's really 
proven to is stood, not only stood the tests of time, but proven to be even more relevant today than it was back then, and has you know been replicated or other schools have sought to to imitate that that format. So, I think that that trend will continue. I mean, as you note, it does seem that it has more attraction um, for international candidates than for domestic American candidates, and that's not surprising given that the top programs in the U.S. tend to be two-year programs rather than one-year programs. And so if you're looking to do one of the most prestigious programs in the U.S., then most likely you're targeting a two-year program. But that is not necessarily the case internationally. And international candidates may be more concerned about the cost of a program. Many international candidates are coming from countries where they will not have had the the salaries and the savings power that a candidate from the US would have had prior to the MBA. And therefore, the uh, the value proposition of doing your MBA in one year rather than two years is, is very powerful, right? So, you know, you're paying less, not only less in tuition fees, you're paying much less in living costs, you're foregoing your salary for one year rather than two. So, when you look at the return on investment for a one-year program versus a, a two-year program, it's uh, often the top programs, one-year programs, you have a much faster return on investment for the one-year programs than the two-year programs. So if you are concerned about cost, and that's a significant factor for you, and that often is the case for the international candidates, then the one-year programs are a great option. Now, Maria, as someone who has spent two years at Harvard Business School getting her MBA, do you like this idea that the one-year MBA might be better than the two-year? I can certainly see the appeal for all the reasons that Caroline mentioned. And I think that there's a real, a couple of opportunities for for business schools uh, really jumped out at me from this report. One of them being that if business schools want to attract more candidates from U.S. business schools that are primarily two-year, if they want to attract more candidates from the Middle East and Africa and Europe, that they should look into perhaps investing more in creating a one-year MBA option. I did see in the report that the the one-year option is is mostly favored, understandably, by people who majored in business or economics in undergrad, which makes a lot of sense. Though I will say that I took accounting and finance in undergrad. And when I encountered those same courses uh, as an MBA, I was initially a little bit grumpy. I thought, oh, why don't why are they making me I already took these classes in college. Why do I have to take them? But the the perspective with which they were taught at the master's level was very different. So the the undergraduate level was much more about the mechanics of how do you build a balance sheet, how do you do debits and credits, versus at the at the master's level, it was more about how do you use accounting as a tool to create value or to support your strategy, which is a very different it's still accounting, and both classes were called accounting, but they are they are looking at it from a very different perspective. So, I you know I I don't know that it's the same experience uh, in terms of exactly what you would be studying in a one year versus a two year. Not simply because it's shorter, but because I do think that there might be some things being missed out on. But I also think that it's you know it's a pragmatic world that we live in, and I don't know that it makes sense for everyone to take two years out of their career and spend all that money, especially if they don't want that big career switch. The other surprise to me uh, was that actually Gen Z seems more interested in the two-year MBA, and millennials are more interested in the one-year, which is kind of surprising on some level, but that's one of the findings in this study. The other surprise for me is how full-time MBA programs, whether they're one or two years, are really the most popular programs. And 42% of the respondents 
were most interested in an in-person program. Only 4% were interested in an online MBA program. And given the growth in online options, the gap 42 versus 4 kind of surprised me because that's pretty pretty darn low. So, you know, you ask yourself, well, is it a function of the sample? And I would have to say that I do believe it is. In other words, I, I do believe that online MBA programs, given the growth, uh, given the number of them, given the enrollment of people in them, is sort of discounted in this study. And I think it's, there's a very good reason for that. You know, the way the study is uh, basically done is that people who register on GMAC site to take the test are then invited to participate. And that's the majority of the respondents. They collect some other data from their MBA tours um, acquisition, which is now called GMAT tours or business because their website in the United Kingdom or this test that they acquired in India. But largely, it's, it's people who are going to take the GMAT. And most online MBA probes do not require a standardized test. So therefore, they're going to miss all these other applicants uh, who are interested in not only online MBA programs, but all kinds of specialty master's programs, many of which no longer require a standardized test, along with many programs that are in-person MBA programs now that are either test optional or, in fact, uh, are very generously waiving a standardized test if you have the right grades and the right background for them to be assured that you can handle the minimal quant in the core curriculum. So to some extent, you know, you're you're getting, uh, you know, a, a slightly odd view of things. And this is has been exacerbated over the years because of the numbers of people taking the GRE as a rival to the GMAT, meaning that those people are no longer going to GMAT's website and they're no longer being invited to participate in this study. But that said, it's still, you know, a very sizable and substantial uh, sample. Uh, and one of the other things this uh, basically the study showed, and uh, this will be uh, maybe this is something that Caroline would like to talk about, that the United States remains the top study destination still. And I think that's largely because there's so many options in the U.S. And historically, the U.S. got the first start on business education. We do know uh, that Europe and, and other regions of the world have, in many cases, not only caught up, but are offering fantastic options. Um, but it's still surprising that the U.S. remains a top study destination. Caroline, what do you make of that? Well, I think it might be what you mentioned, John, that it's due partly due to volume, right? The number of schools in the U.S. and the number of places available compared to uh, number of schools um, and places available in, in in other markets. But yes, I mean, certainly the U.S. has a historic advantage, given that the MBA started in the U.S. and is is better established. And many of the international schools um, have, have started more recently and so are still working on developing their global reputations. Many of those schools have great national reputations, perhaps regional reputations, but some of them don't yet have the, the global reputation that the US schools have. And it's so- true. It's true. And yeah, even so, it's not like it's a big gap. And incidentally, the US lost a top spot for a year 
in 2020 when the pandemic was really raging and people didn't want to travel. But the percentages of respondents who said they prefer the U.S., 42 percent, followed by Europe, 37 percent. So right on the heels of of the U.S. and Canada was 9 percent, incidentally. So not very far behind, which also to me is acknowledgement of the great opportunities that now exist in Europe uh, to get a superior graduate management degree. Mm. The, the advantage the U.S. schools also have is is the um, the opportunity for candidates to get a work visa and, and stay and work in the U.S. And of course, you know, it's a, it's a very large job market here. Um, and so that is a big factor for many international candidates who may be looking to get access to the U.S. market and 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 you know switch a career, switch their career to, and make a move into the U.S. That that um, and then the job market uh, until recently has been very strong in the U.S. Um, and um, so perhaps when these candidates were surveyed. Uh, you know the, the job market in the U.S. may have been stronger than it was in the in 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 other markets. Maria, did you find other things in this report that were interesting to you? One of the things that I, I thought was interesting that gave me a bit of a chuckle was that when they asked um, prospective applicants about whether or not an online MBA is just as is equivalent that it offers the same opportunities. Uh, even the people who were applying to the online MBA, many of them said like, no, it's it's really not fully equivalent in terms of the outcomes uh, that you can get, especially in terms of the career opportunities after afterwards. And so I think if I were in charge of marketing an online MBA program or running an online MBA program, I one little light bulb that went off for me was if I were to invest in having like a dedicated career services office that could help my online MBA candidates get those same elite high paying post MBA jobs that maybe some of the full-time candidates, if they could achieve some sort of parity or if they could start to approach some sort of parity with the career outcomes, I think that would really help skyrocket interest in the online degree, which is great for schools because there's a lot less overhead, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's, that was yeah. one thing that jumped out at me. Yeah, that's really that's really true. I thought that that was fascinating, frankly. The other thing is, um, you know, consulting has long been the most sought after post-graduation uh, employer. And that fact has endured in these studies across generations and regions. Um, but what you're seeing here is that the Gen Z uh, folks are a little bit different. They have a preference for finance and accounting jobs according to this study, over those in tech and startups. And Gen Z candidates' interest in the tech sector is actually below the global average and their millennial counterparts. Uh, and I wonder if part of that is a function of all the layoffs that we have seen in the past year to 18 months uh, by tech companies, which has been putting a lot of people on the street, and, and also a function of perhaps our disillusion with tech. I think, you know, years ago we saw technology and its advances as something that was incredibly positive. And now with concerns over privacy, uh, social bullying, uh, the misuse of social media to manipulate election results and, and send out misinformation um, has made people sour on the tech industry to some uh, extent. Maria, do you think that's true? 
Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of, I, I mean, tech, we've always seen these kinds of ebbs and flows and bubbles inflating and popping. Uh, and so I think we might be sort of on the downward side of that right now. But I don't expect that to last. I think that tech always rearranges itself and and reemerges in a new and different way each time. So I think right now we are in that that valley of disillusionment, but I I don't know that that'll last forever. But consulting as the number one area of interest makes perfect sense, right? I mean, it's a great training ground. You get so much experience, so much valuable, so much valuable experience that I I I expect that to be the number one preferred destination for forever. <laughs> Yeah, plus the salaries are high. I mean, really high. Doesn't and, hurt. Doesn't uh, hurt. Yes. <laughs> and when you're graduating with debt, you know, the if you if you go to a McKinsey, Bain, BCG, Deloitte, uh, you know, that $35,000 sign-on bonus uh, helps an awful lot to erase a good amount of your debt along with the uh, starting pay, which is right now 165000 to start uh, at a McKinsey, Bain, or BCG. Uh, and so those packages of over 200 grand uh, a year, uh, right from year one, are pretty, pretty attractive and hard to turn down if you can get them. Because, you know, just as it is hard to get into a, an NCR, a Harvard, a Stanford, a Wharton, it's equally hard to land one of these jobs, although an MBA degree is certainly an entry card to do so. Mm-hmm. Um Lots of different things in this report. We have a bunch of stories on them. Uh, actually, I think there are four stories we've written already uh, based on the results in the report. So you might look at Poets and Quants and see um, what we've said about uh, the prospective student report. Uh, if you're interested in that, I think the other uh, one thing before we sign off is you know, the motivation for people who are wanting an MBA or wanting a, a graduate degree in management. You know, the report makes, uh, you know, a, a fair bit of noise, I think unjustifiably so, in saying that the main reason is because uh, people want to have a more meaningful career. Uh, and while that's true, you know, people also want to have more money, <laughs> And I, I think, you know, the fact is that uh, if you can increase the money you make uh, and live a better life as a result of that, there's nothing wrong with that. So we don't need to almost play up this this other reason why you might get an MBA only because we want to disabuse you of the notion that people who go into a business school are only interested in money. Caroline, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that that um, it's it, it's great to see that that candidates are actually more interested in having a rewarding and fulfilling life and and career, um, and that is a higher priority for them than than just earning more money. And I think you know related to that, it was interesting to see that for this generation, sustainability and CSR are now really you know fundamental to what they're looking for as regards a business school curriculum that wasn't the case you know 10 20 years ago so you know that's 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 a big change that we've seen over the last few years and i think that that will you know it's about in this this survey shows that that's about half of respondents that see that as core and i think that what that trend will continue and that will continue to become you know a fundamental part of what people are seeking from their education, because they also recognize that, you know, that's very relevant to their future career. And that's a big 
issue that um, many employers are grappling with. And so it will, you know, it's also not just for their personal interest and and sense of having a positive impact on the world. It's also very relevant for their career and the responsibilities that they will be managing in the future. So, you know, I, I think that that is, um, is, a, is a positive trend that, that we see in this survey. True. Maria, your last words on this? I mean, I think just like the business world is constantly evolving, management education is going to have to constantly evolve with it. And we're seeing some of those uh, different trends emerging in applicants to business school. So interesting, interesting things emerging, like Caroline said, in sustainability, a, a really inc- a really marked increase in interest in data analytics Yeah, uh, that I think maybe five, 10 years ago, I don't even know if 10 years ago, data analytics was something that applicants to business school even cared about. And now I believe it's like the second most popular topic that wants they want to study. So, you know, we're just going to have to, you know, as business changes, the education for business leaders will have to change. And I think we're just going to keep seeing that year over year. Absolutely. Maria and Caroline, thank you so much. And for all of you out there, if you want to know more about the prospective student report uh, from GMAC, come to Poets and Quants. There are about four or five stories on this already. Uh, looking at it from every single angle, or just get the report yourself and pour through it. Uh, there's some fascinating conclusions in there. You've been listening to Business Casual, our weekly podcast. This is John Berman, Poets and Quants. 